0: It's podcast number 37 at joettcalibris.com, and here's what we have coming up. So, today's podcast is what we're calling part three of our Newbies series. I'm your host today, Paola Brown, and part one of this series can be found on Joett's website under podcast number 17, and part two was podcast number 33. So today's podcast is a follow-up to those first two, and if you have someone who's interested in starting homeopathy and they're not sure where to go, maybe you could send them these three podcasts. Also, another great place is to send them to Joette's Quick Start Guide, which you can find on her homepage under the heading New to Homeopathy. So today we're going to talk about what makes you prepared with homeopathy as far as remedies go. Joette talks about how you can be minimally prepared, and if you are already minimally prepared, she talks about how you can advance to being super prepared. We also look at how homeopathy should be used. Do you use it for every little fever and sniffle that comes by or not? So let's take it from the top with Joette. Joette, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm well. This is always great. All right, so this is part three of a little podcast series that we're doing. We're focusing on newbies to homeopathy, newcomers. So, the very first podcast for newbies is podcast number 17, and that's one that you recorded back with Jendi. It talks about what is homeopathy, kind of the very foundational questions. And then we had a second podcast, part two. And this is part three. So, we have a few more questions that we received from some of your listeners and your newcomers to homeopathy. And I was hoping you would answer them with me. Yeah, today. let's go. Okay. Some new moms to homeopathy are wondering do we treat every little runny nose or cold symptoms, or do we sometimes let it run its course? So, they're kind of trying to know how often to use homeopathy and when to let the illness do its thing. So, like, sometimes mucus is okay it's getting rid of foreign bodies and germs that are in the body. So can you use homeopathy too much or too little? I love that question. I'm glad someone asked that
1: because I believe that when someone is enthusiastic about homeopathy, they see results and more results and more results, and they can't wait to get at the next illness in the family. They sometimes get too excited and over-treat. And I agree. I think it can be used too often. I think it's important to let a lot of illnesses just fall to the wayside. Let the colds just be, unless they're really debilitating. Let the child get a fever, unless it's really debilitating. In fact, I have an article, if you Google it, uh, get your kids high. It's all about allowing a child to get a fever. It is part of their education. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am concerned with the education of the immune system. And it's important that children get illnesses if it becomes trying or they're in a lot of pain, let's say it's otitis media, or their eyes are quite swollen, they have conjunctivitis, or the throat that's a little painful is clearly becoming more like strep because you can smell it and see it, et cetera. Okay, now it's time to treat. So I don't treat every little thing and it's hard to keep yourself from doing that when you're fresh at this because it's so much fun because suddenly you have all this
0: power in your hands. But I think it's best to kind of keep it to a purr instead of a roar. Both of our friend, Trisha, she's one of the gals that helps us edit these podcasts. I remember when she got her first homeopathy kit, she said, I just kind of sit around waiting for one of my kids to right. get Right, for the shoe to fall. Yes, that's like, right. Like, oh, good. Let me go get my kit. <laughs> yes. Sage advice. Well, and I also
1: think that you learn faster and better when you're treating many. So the larger your family, the better. The more livestock you have, the more house pets you have, the more wildlife you treat, you'll learn a lot faster. And you'll be able to discern what is worthy of treatment, what is worthy of not treatment, and also what is worthy of getting to the hospital or a doctor for.
0: Right. And we have a great podcast on discernment that you can look up and listen to. I think that kind of falls under this too. Very good. All right. So here's another question. A lot of newbies that are sold and they want to come in, they want to plan ahead. They want to know what is your advice on what it means to plan ahead as far as homeopathy goes. Right away, own a kit, the top 100 remedy kit. At least one kit, at least Mm -hmm. that one. And as
1: soon as you can afford another one that's a 200 potency kit, we sell them here in the office. We give discounts for people who buy two at a time. The larger kit that's 30th potency and a smaller kit that's just 200th potency. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have to start with that. If you don't have any homeopathy remedies, and you're learning how to use homeopathy, and you've come up with the medicine, it's now Saturday night, 11 o'clock, and your child is screaming with an ear infection, you know absolutely you should be giving chamomilla, and you (laughs) don't own it. What good is that? Yeah.
0: So So you might as well just
1: give the child pain reliever. These pharmacies that manufacture them know exactly what you need. For most everyday conditions. And that's what you'll find in those kits. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, parenthetically, there are 6,000, at last counting that I've heard, homeopathic medicines available. So this Mm -hmm. is only a 100 of them
0: in this kit. So it's not going to have everything, but it will be a very good start. Would you say that someone who owns just one kit, the top 100 remedy kit, it's the red kit from Washington Homeopathics that you sell, they're minimally prepared Yes, it's minimal. Absolutely. And then if they own the second kit, the 200 kit, that would be- That helps too. She who has the most remedies in the end wins. (laughs) I love that. Oh, then what's the next step? So let's say you own the top 100 and mostly 30C, then you own the top 50 and 200C. Those are the two kits you were talking about that give a discount if they buy them together. Then what? Well, it depends on where you are in your life. If you absolutely can't afford
1: anything or if you can't afford and you just don't want to make a huge commitment yet to taking a course or buying books, etc., just go to my blog. Everything is free. Mm-hmm. All my information is free. I've been authoring this blog for nine years. In the last five to six years, I give you precisely the condition, what the homeopathic medicines are. If you happen not to own it, you can click on it. It will take you to Amazon or to Boron. And I don't get any kickbacks on this. This is just strictly for convenience of my viewers. And you'll get the medicine sent to you in short order. Or hopefully you've got it in your kit. And what you do is you put in the search bar what the condition is. And be aware that at this point, we're in the process of revamping the website for the, I think, third time. And now we're going to make it a little bit more user-friendly so that you don't need to come up with synonyms. So if you put in otitis media, if it doesn't show up, then you personally must know to put in ear infections currently. But at some point, it should be able to do that
0: for you. So at this point, you might have to come up with a synonym. Here's a great little exercise that you actually taught me, Joette, that I'm going to bring up sit down and make a list of all the stuff that you your family members your children have suffered from and then make a list of all the stuff that could happen to them that you fear for you know the stepping on a rusty nail I don't know all those things then go to Duets blog and research those subjects and start seeing if you own the remedies that it takes to treat those yes treat those conditions okay and then you fill in the gaps and order the single remedies that might be that's what you've done isn't it Paula? Oh, yes. When I got our cow and our chickens, I mean, I did that for my kids. But when I got our cow and our chickens, I went through the cow book. I have this cow book about how to take care of them and chickens. And I started seeing all these things. It's what we spend our money on.
1: <laughs> it is. And
0: you know what it I mean? It's about- not
1: about manicures. It's not about dinners out. It's not about a hot new outfit. That's what I love about this. It's about something that is intellectually delicious, as I say, mm-hmm. and allows us to give back to our family in a very intellectual but heartfelt way as well. Right, It puts the power back into mothering. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it, probably most of all. I became the decision maker. Now, yeah. there were certainly times when my children were young that I wasn't so sure. And I might call a friend, which by the way, I might mention folks ought to strongly consider joining a study group that we promote through the blog. Um, Because now you've got a little community of like-minded mothers slash grandmothers um, who are interested in learning right along with you. And they will come to the table with conditions that their families suffer. And then you'll come to the table with the conditions your family suffers from. And so with that, now you're fleshing out and covering many, many conditions in helping and teaching each other.
0: Well, I think that's absolutely right. So planning ahead isn't just owning remedies, but it's having a band of mothers who are like-minded who can that's support right. you. My son had an ear infection earlier this month. Boy, it was terrible. And I have this friend, Joette, that stayed up with me till 1.30 in the morning. She lives in Dallas. She's not even close to me, texting me on my phone, helping me figure things out because I was on zero sleep for two nights now, and I could not think straight. And, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Have friends, and you're going to be willing to do that for her when the tables are turned. Absolutely,
1: yes, yes, yes. Right. So then, the next place you go to after that is just take courses. I have a lot of courses. I have CDs and downloads. I mean, that is what I'm all about. My mission is to educate. Mm -hmm. So we have plenty of information besides the podcast, and you don't even need to stay on the website. If you just Google Joette Calabrese and the name of the condition, I've written for many other blogs. I'm published in Weston Price Foundation's quarterly journal for the last nine years. You will find lots of information all over the internet on this particular subject that I've written and others have written as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Joette, your blog and your presence online is such a huge help. I mean, can you imagine if you had that when you were starting out? Oh my gosh, I would have died for having someone like me.
1: (laughs) 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 Really, I had a wonderful teacher and she retired and that was the end of that. Actually, she moved out of the area when my children were young, and I had counted on her. She was a great homeopath. She helped me tremendously. She helped bring my health back around again in very short order. And in those days, we were taught that you only meet physically with your homeopath. Right. Not on the phone. Not on the phone, not on Skype. No, I meet with all my clients on Skype or the phone. I never meet anyone in my office any longer. But in those days, we were taught that that's what you had to do because you had to shake their hand. You had to see if they had an odor. You were experiencing the person so that you could get a better choice of remedy. Now with this method that I use, it's really very much unnecessary. But at any rate, when she moved out of the area, oh my gosh, now what am I going to do? I'm doomed. It took a few days of processing it and complaining about it. (laughs) (laughs) What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Who will I find? I need to find someone else. And I knew there wasn't anyone else in my area. Right. And this was back in the 80s. So it dawned on me one day oh my gosh, I think I have to know how to do this. I mean, really know how to do this. This is up to me. It's my family. It's my Mm -hmm. job. So I should learn how to do this.
0: So I hate to break it to you. However, even though you have this wonderful web presence, I think everyone who follows you, Duet, is a little bit sick to their stomach that you will ever retire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, my husband and I talked about that the other day, and he was saying, I don't know. I think you'll be able to work for a long, long time because I do love it. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I mm-hmm. love taking cases. I'll just maybe slow it down quite a bit as I age, but I'm not slowing down now. I'm still revving up. Good. Okay, right. Yeah. Good
0: girl. <laughs> yeah. Keep taking your
1: homeopathy. Well, it's because, of the, it's because of these medicines that I'm able to right. stay as well as I am at 65.
0: That's right. Okay, Joette, here's another great question. What is the value of classical homeopathy if the protocols are easier and more reliable shortcuts? Well, for those who are neophytes,
1: um, to this, they may not know the difference between classical and the protocols that that I use, these practical methods that I use. But just bear with us then. You might be able to pick up a little bit from this. But for those who know what classical homeopathy is, I was a dyed-in-the-wool classical homeopath for decades. I even taught the first classical homeopathy course that was ever credit-bearing in a college setting in New York State. So I believed down to my toes the value of classical homeopathy. But I don't use it much at all anymore, overtly. I believe, however, that because I had so much training in it and I studied it so thoroughly for so many years that I think in the back of my head... I do have a little classical left in there that is my basic foundation. And for anyone who really wants to take homeopathy seriously, even enough to, say, become a practitioner at some point, I would never urge them to do it without going to classical homeopathy school. Okay. You really need that background to fully understand because many cases will come across your desk that you will not be able to necessarily understand thoroughly without that background. Having said that, however, the Banerjee protocols as well as a few of my own methods here and there, mostly Banerjee protocols are really based on classical, but it's trimmed down the fat and made it so tight that it's much, much easier to use. So you may find as someone who's treating your family consistently, you will not need to study Or use classical homeopathy. In fact, it may even confuse or confound you from time to time. Right,
0: right. And in study groups, the study group curriculum, Gateway to Homeopathy, the first half of that, we do talk about classical homeopathy because classical homeopathy helps us understand the foundation of homeopathy, what it means, how it works, the basic theory of homeopathy. Now, we do have a podcast, Joette, that I want to remind your listeners here. Podcast number twenty-four: Topics that Bear Repeating, where you and I discuss the protocol form of homeopathy versus classical homeopathy a little bit more in depth. So if this subject kind of sparks your interest, I think that's a good podcast to listen to. But I do want to say with my son, that ear infection that I was just talking about, I did start with the homeopathic protocol for ear infections that you taught from the Banerjee's, and it did not act on him. Yeah. So, so you need to go further. You need to go to the second protocol. If
1: that doesn't act, you need yep. to go and to a third didn't. protocol. If there are no more protocols after that, and sometimes there are, and sometimes
0: there aren't, that's when classical, yes, indeed,
1: can and be And that's useful. exactly
0: where I was. He had a very unique ear infection. Actually, the exterior ear was swollen and sticking out like a little elephant ear, you know, off to the side. And the protocols did not work, at least in the way that I use them. And I thought I was using them correctly. And so that's where my friend Sherry, we were talking to one in the morning, and we found out that he needed aconitum Napellus at the time and we did a chamomilla 200 and belladonna 200 which is still slightly part of the protocol but that aconitum Napellus was really a big difference for him and so i feel a little bit naked if i don't know a little bit of classical homeopathy because what if the banergy protocol doesn't work or what if i don't own the remedies in the banergy protocol well yes. you know i have a little bit of backup yes yes <laughs> listen you
1: can never get too much education. Oh, wait a minute. I take that back. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I take it back because I'm making fun of the universities these days. There's a lot of oh, gobbledygook education right. in, in American universities these days. So there's a lot of stuff that becomes superfluous and without focus. But self-education is what I mean. Right. That's okay. where I put emphasis. Everyone should be constantly educating themselves, whether it's homeopathy or otherwise.
0: I love my homeopathy library. I love all the books. I have tons of your books, Joette. I have more books. I love it. So I think that's what you're talking about. Yes. Okay, so my last question for the newbies that we're getting is what role does diet have in homeopathy? People ask me this all the
1: time, and I hope I don't sound inconsistent, but in terms of a condition of disease... Not as much as you would think. I'm on the board, honorary board of Weston Price Foundation. I am a true believer in whole, nutrient-dense, homemade foods that are sourced from good sources. I believe in Dr. Weston Price's works and all those who are peripherally around him. Mm -hmm. But I have found through the years that depending on foods alone has been a disappointment, not only in my own health, but in other folks' health, in my clients and students, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get lucky, and people report to me that by getting off of gluten, they don't have any more joint pain. But if they wait long enough, my experience so far has shown me that stay away from gluten for a while, and then a couple years later, they find out, oh, it's kind of coming back again, and now they have to get off of dairy and then wait a little longer, and then now they have to get off of eggs. And then eggs are related to chicken, and it doesn't correct the problem. Abstinence of food does not correct the problem in my experience. It's management. Now, I'm not gonna tell you it never works because I think that for some people it can. If it is a food condition in the first place, then yes, I suppose that's very possible, but I don't get those folks. The people I get are those who have been through GAPS diets and Weston Price, (laughs) and FODMAPs. And I could go through many more names than that of diets. And if you listen to this a couple years from the time we're recording this today, there are going to be more diets. And they're going to declare that this is the diet that cures. Well, I started back in the 1980s with Dr. William Crook's book on the yeast connection. And I thought I'd found the answer and followed that. And it helped for a while, but it wasn't until I got to homeopathy that it really got to the true correction. I see. So having said that, it's not necessary to change the diet when you're using homeopathy. If you've already found that you can't eat dairy, and mm-hmm. that you'll get diarrhea and brain fog, etc., of course you don't eat it. Don't go ahead and do it. You already know that that would be imprudent. So you stay with the diet that you've been following and you add the homeopathic and then slowly you start adding in some of the foods that were a problem before. And that is what we're looking for is the freedom of being able to eat anything. I always tell folks, I want everyone to be able to eat at McDonald's. Not that I expect you to eat at McDonald's, but I want you to have the freedom to be able to do so. If right. I were bold enough to come into your home and open up your refrigerator, I would certainly hope that I would find high quality foods in there. But if you were on a long trip with your family and you ran out of food and it's now one in the morning, you're in the middle of a snowstorm and kids are waking up and they're hungry and the only thing that's around is the McDonald's, I'd like you to be able to go to McDonald's or even less severe a situation than that. Okay. So true health is freedom and the freedom to be able to eat whatever you have available to you is what we're looking for. Now, also the other side to that coin is we have to be intelligent about our food choices. Mm -hmm. So it's unnecessary, that's really what I'm distilling this down to, for someone to get better by using homeopathy and having to go on a strict diet in addition to that.
0: I see so, so what you're tames. saying is, and I think you've taught this in the good gut, bad gut course, that the Banerjees in India they don't prescribe a homeopathic protocol to their clients and then also prescribe a specific diet. No, they tell all the patients, eat your traditional
1: foods now it's different there because they do have traditional foods. A lot of us, at least in the u s North America, don't have traditional foods anymore. Our grandparents or great great grandparents or great 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 came here so long ago that many of the foods have been lost or they've been bastardized. (laughs) So you have to be careful with that. That's why I like Weston Price, because it is traditional and it's mostly based on European foods. And that's where most of us hail in this country. So that makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the traditional foods in Calcutta, it depends on the religion. Mm -hmm. And there are many different religions and they're very traditional people and their traditional garb and their lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera. So you can't possibly broach that subject and get away with it.
0: A lot of vegetarianism and things like that. Well,
1: there's vegetarianism and many of them don't have access to the kinds of foods that we have access to if they live in villages or if they live in the big city, they have what they have. Right. Yeah, that's right.
0: Very good. And I know that part of your logo used to say where nutrition meets homeopathy. So it wasn't necessarily that you needed to have the diet for homeopathy to do its thing. Really, I think your goal was to say it's where diet has left off in the healing process, homeopathy can complete. Picks up, picks Mm -hmm. up and carries on. Right. And you don't have to do the
1: diet first and then homeopathy second. You can certainly start on a decent, clean diet and not worry too much about it and use the homeopathy simultaneously. Right. Very good. Well, it's like anything in life, that anything that is wholesome and and lofty Mm -hmm. and authentic, Mm -hmm. of course you want that. And I always tell people if they're stressed or many conditions can be attributed to stress, I tell people, listen to good quality music. Don't watch the news so much. Only read quality books. Don't expose yourself to the lower end of society. Find the lofty and concentrate on it. That automatically lifts us out of aspect of life that can drag us down too deeply.
0: Right, weed out the toxic friendships or relationships For me, I think something big this year is focusing on gratitude. That's a very good thing, too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, you know, St. Catherine of Siena said, if you are what you should be, you will set the whole world on fire. And that is a big part of my motto. This is what I should be doing. I want to hand this over to you. And if it is what you should be doing,
0: then I hope that you'll set your world on fire as well. Yeah, well, I know you've set my world on fire. I mean, truly, Joette. I mean, this is one of my last podcasts with you for a little while. I know. Oh, It's so sad. It's been such a hard thing. We live on a homestead. I'm so busy with young kids and homeschooling, and it's just... You big. have a very rich life, Paula, and it's a oh, good thing. It's very and good. I'm so thankful, but I have to say, Joette, you really have changed my life, and I'll still be around. I'll still help out, I'm sure, here and there with the podcast or in a course or however you need me to, but... I just feel so privileged to have been part of this and to oh, pop a little peace in your journey. Well, it's been so. my pleasure as well having you. It's been great working with you. Thank it's you. It's natural. We bounce off of each other well. And the gal who's going to be helping out with the podcast, Kate, many of you already know her. She is a mom with Moxie she has a story where the horse landed on her arm and shattered her arm into a million pieces. And my favorite part of that story is where she was at the hospital and she wasn't taking any painkillers and they wouldn't release her. So she finally said, okay, give me a Tylenol. Okay, that helps so much. I feel so much better (laughs) because she's been using lots of homeopathy. So she'll be a great addition. Yeah, I think so too. So you guys can look forward to her. Well, thank you so much, Joette. Thank you. That's my pleasure, Paula. As always, it's been great. You just listened to a podcast by JoetteCalabrese.com, where nationally certified homeopath, public speaker, and author, Joette Calabrese, shared her passion for helping families stay healthy through homeopathy and nutrient-dense nutrition. Joette's podcasts are available on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio.